You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Steve Peters and Craig Morgan. We got one team out of the playoffs already. One team on the verge of clinching their series. Exciting hockey going on. How is everyone doing on this Tuesday? (sighs) All good. No, and, yeah, but, and, and we have the Tempe City Council about to hear the Coyotes. Um, proposal, and so. where are you going to be, Craig, during that? <laughs> I haven't told anyone this, so I guess we can say it on. I think we have to do it today. Naturally, with Arena News breaking, I'll be on vacation. I'm literally leaving that. <laughs> Never fear, as you all know by now. My vacations are working vacations, so I'll probably be working that day. I literally said to Craig yesterday morning, I bet you the Tempe City Council is going to do their vote when you're in Montana. And look what happened that afternoon on the schedule. Leah just gave away my location. It's a big state, though, so I'm not going (laughs) to People people are going to track you there. You're off the grid. There's no Wi-Fi. Like, this, honest to God, could not. Like, literally, when he told us what he was doing, probably no Wi-Fi off the grid. 100% 100% everything's going to happen that week. Like, it's going to be so much shit going on that week. And anybody that that's a Morgan's minion that knows Craig's background and history, when Craig leaves, shit happens. It just does. He's in a car driving across the United States. Somebody big is going to get traded. Guarantee yep. it. Some big news will break when Craig's on vacation. He told us he's going on vacation. Sure enough, less than 24 hours, arena news. Unbelievable. Like clockwork. I think the team has access to Craig's calendar. I think you know what that might be it that's conspiracy theory right there that might be it they just wait for Craig because they don't want Craig to, to give any secrets or they wait for him to leave I'm starting to think that my wife is the source <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Craig we Craig we really don't want you to go on vacation maybe you should stay home and work this one check your phone log do you have a, a like a burner phone or something exactly disposable phones oh my gosh yes well that's you- next Thursday so and Leah they, brought up they, playoffs. So we got the arena thing happening. Craig, and trust me, even if Craig is in the middle of the bush and he's got to put a, you know, a, a hanger on top of his arm and reach up to get a signal, he will. <laughs> but if he can't, there will be plenty of coverage on PHNX. If anything happens, we will 
absolutely be there with the PHNX crew, and we'll make sure that everybody finds out about it first yep. here. We got contingency plans. We're all set. Yep. Yes, I have confidence. I've got faith. Can we talk yeah. playoffs? Yeah, let's talk playoffs. a little playoffs. It's so yeah. fun. <laughs> but, okay, so let's go to the, the, the President Trophy winning Florida Panthers getting swept four straight. It's the Wait, 2019 yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning. Three goals. Three goals in the series. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. The clearly. highest scoring team in the regular season of all time, pretty much, and swept. Three goals. Shut out. It was their first time being shut out the entire season. The entire There's season in, a, in an elimination game in the second round of the playoffs. So let me throw this out as, as a thought. Tampa, I thought, woke up late in that Toronto series, found that extra gear, that championship gear, because the Maple Leafs, as we have pointed out, pushed them to the very limit. And we may, at the end of this playoffs, playoff run, as it, as it goes along, have a lot more respect for the Maple Leafs than maybe some people had when they got knocked out in the first round again. But the way Tampa's playing right now, I don't know if it's Florida's style that wasn't conducive to the playoffs or if Tampa is again at that level and if they are at that level does carolina have a chance if carolina advances does carolina play more of the style that can succeed do they have more playoff experience what are your thoughts on this pd well the one thing that carolina does that florida doesn't do is they can change their game and they can alter the game to play in different ways that florida just never found a way to do florida is fast moving move the puck up the ice as quickly as they can and try to outscore their opponents well Guess what? There's not as much room. There's not enough space. And you can't play as fast in the playoffs because there's somebody standing in front of you pounding into the wall. So Florida was never able to adjust that. Carolina, Carolina might be the most well-rounded, complete team left in the playoffs, both East and West. Colorado is absolutely dominating. They're an absolute powerhouse. But what Carolina can do is they can defend. Carolina defends extremely well, sticks in lanes. They keep teams to the outside. It's a strength of their game, their ability to play 200 feet. I don't know if it's enough. They, 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 that will be a different series if Carolina can get through New York. And, and we'll see today. Carolina's got to get their power play going. They've got to learn how to win on the road. And those things haven't happened for Carolina. This series could be 2-2 in a matter of hours. And then what? So don't don't count the Rangers out quite yet. I think the the, the, the more complete team, again, is Carolina. And I don't think... You can't bet against Tampa right now. You can't. One more hypothetical. If Joel Quenville were still behind the Florida Panthers bench, would they be, have been able to adjust or they simply not have the personnel to adjust? You know, it's, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Andrew Brunette is a good coach. Players like him. Players play hard for him. Joel Quinville's a Stanley Cup champion head coach that has seen more been through more, done more, has more life experiences behind the bench. I, I, I don't want to say it would have been different. Do I believe it? Yeah, I, I think there would have been adjustments both in the roster and the style of play quicker under Joel Quinville. But by no means are Florida Panthers fans go there, well, if we had Q, we would have won. But, whoa, clear Jets. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning that looks like they're ready to roll again. So, do I think it would help? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just experience. He's been there. He's done that. I, I think it might have made a difference in the series. 
such a good bench coach. I, I remember that. I've said this before, but such a good bench coach. Yeah, I don't know if he had the personnel to win a series, but I, I can't imagine them getting swept if Q is behind the bench. And lastly, the last thing on this series and that game, I will say as a former video coach, that first period was insane. When you have two goals disallowed within a matter of minutes, you're going. And by the way, those are both real gutsy calls. Like a blue line call, you're offside or you're not. Finding a puck in the mesh and the netting is incredibly difficult. That was a real gutsy call that if they get wrong, not only give up the goal, you're giving up PK. And then the one off the faceoff, completely obvious. But again, you got to be looking for it. Like as a video guy, you're going, oh shit, we just gave up that goal. Who missed the coverage? What happened on that play? I got to give Andrew Brewer the, the forethought and sight to look for that play. And he was two for two and I, and uh, makes a difference. I'm just saying video coaches can make a difference. Hmm. Just in case anybody's looking back at my resume. I remember watching Coyotes games a few years ago where Todd Walsh would say that, or Matt McConnell would say, wow, what a great call by video coach Steve Peters to catch that one. <laughs> it's, I, it's funny. It's funny. And then, by the way, my resume joke, I'm totally happy at PHNX. Nobody needs my resume. I'm not. It's not up to date. Not sending it out. This is so much less stress. Well, working with Craig some days can be moderately stressful, but overall less dreadful than being a video coach. In Especially the when he freaks out on you for bringing the wrong sparkling water to the office. I know. That, do you imagine how much pressure that is yeah. when you're sitting in the aisle of the store trying to pick out the right water for Craig S. Morgan? It's very stressful. Yeah, the good and gather brand sparkling water just <laughs> does doesn't not cut pass. it. You don't, nope. you don't shop in the peasant aisle. It's not a problem. <laughs> clipping my coupons buddy oh man well we'll touch on the other series before we get into today's topic um colorado st louis and this series has taken on so much more than just hockey it's been unbelievable but i think the highlight from last night was Kadri's hat trick three goals on three shots on goal from him just an amazing performance after what has been a horrible horrible 48 hours for him and his family it's amazing how this guy always somehow becomes one of the biggest stories of the postseason you know it's toronto it's it's his antics that get him taken out of the game and and in this case it's not his own fault and and I, I i have to say this i was a little surprised when craig barube was asked to address that in his news conference that he just chose no comment i mean there's a standard response there we take this very seriously when there are threats against someone, uh, racial statements made, that's all you got to say. It's a, it's a standard line. If you don't say it, whether you, you don't want to discuss it for, for, for other reasons, in the court of a public, a public opinion, you're going to lose. And Craig Berube did not come off looking very good after that news conference. And you got to talk about Kadri. How, how is his response going to be? You know, on the road in a hostile environment. And, and when we say hostile, it's not fans booing you. You're getting threats, like physical threats to harm you. Like, does that affect his play? Well, guess not. Guess it worked out just fine for Kadri. And now they're going back to the friendly confines of the ball center, ball arena. I don't know. What is it? Ball arena. Okay, ball arena. They're heading back home with a 3-1 lead after splitting at home going, oh, shit, if, if St. Louis can come out strong at home, this could be a different series. Maybe Colorado will go away. Uh-uh. This, this Colorado team, I tell you what, 
Yeah, and, and it's it's unfortunate they lost Sam Gerrard because he does add more of that speed and dynamic offensive output by a, a back end defenseman. But wow, Colorado, they're just damn good. They're good, and you're up four one in this thing before you could blink your eyes and go, okay, this one's over. It wasn't, by the way, and this is going to be a problem and a concern. Their ability to score, their ability to dominate games, you're out shooting the opponents horrifically badly, but Kemper's been sitting there for 15, 20 minutes. Now what? And and he's shown in his career, Kemper makes 40, 45 saves. He's lights out. When it's 15 to 20 in a game, eh, it's harder for him to get in a game. And it's not any fault of his own. He gets in a rhythm when he gets more shots. We've seen it with Vimelka here in, in Arizona. So... As this playoff goes on, Darcy Kemper's ability to make the big save after sitting there for a while will be more important every single game. So it's something to look for as they continue. But I think Colorado in this series ends um, in the next game at home. I agree, and I can't see any team beating Colorado in the conference. I can't see Calgary or Edmonton beating Colorado. I just can't. So it'll be interesting so we, we we sit around and try to figure out things we've been spending so much time on the drafts and how this team was built and how you build a team through you know free agency and so on we talk about gm bill bill armstrong through the rebuild and what the Kyrs are going to do so for this summer we are going to address on every single tuesday we're going to address a trade from the past it's going to be trade talk tuesdays and we're going to dissect and dive deep into trades that have been made in the Arizona Coyotes organization since landing in the desert. Does that sum it up, Craig? It does. Okay. So, so Leah, do you want to lead us into the very yes. first Trade Talk Tuesday? Yes. So welcome to the first edition of Trade Talk Tuesday. And, of course, to start it all off, we had to start back in the end of the Winnipeg days almost beginning of the Arizona Coyotes days. And we have to start with the Timu Solani trade. This deserves a big sigh. And is this the worst trade in Coyotes history, even though he was traded while the team was still in Winnipeg? I mean, with what Timu Solani did, I, what's what, what else comes close? Danny Briere, I guess, comes close. Uh Wow, does anything else come close, Petey? <laughs> I don't know. We we'll get into some of the other ones. There's some. There's a couple that are on my mind now, but I'll save them because we'll be talking about them over the next few months. But there's some other ones that you go, wait, wow. So to set the stage, this was the trade, and then we'll dive into everything else surrounding it. On February seventh, nineteen ninety six, um, which for my once a show comment, I was not born yet. Um, the Anaheim Ducks <laughs> wow. acquired the 1996 fourth round pick, Timu Solani and Mark Schwinnard. Yep, you nailed it. Nice. For Chad Kilger, Oleg Tevardovsky, Tevardovsky and a 1996 third round pick. Please say who it led to. Anton Lundstrom. Who Air was- Anton Lundstrom. Who? And I remember, didn't you guys talk about him in your worst draft picks in Coyotes history? He, he wasn't. He oh. wasn't because he, we counted him as a as a jet draft. So yeah, we didn't. Oh uh, well, he, he never played a game in the NHL. Be. Just for some background. There, Anton Lundstrom, sure. Chad yes. Kilger, even really. I mean, he, I know he played a little bit, but come on, Oleg Tevardovsky was 
the best part of that trade, I guess. Um, an offensive defenseman who, you know, put up some numbers, but not Tamu Solani numbers, not even close to Tamu Solani well, numbers. So, so you look at the, the guys that got back. We'll, we'll start there. Let's talk with, let's start with Oleg Tavardoski and Chad Kilger. For, for the moment, we'll put aside draft picks because at that time it was just a pick. We didn't even know the player. So we'll, we'll take that player out of the equation. And this was about players. This is Oleg Tavardoski. And this is a guy that was picked second overall in the 94 draft. Like this isn't a guy that, oh, he has no future in the league. He's second overall Russian defenseman. Left-hand shot, flashy, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the cornerstone left defenseman on this franchise for years and years to come. He's the guy. What a great piece. And on top of that, we're going to get Chad Kilger, six foot four, 215-pound winger. Oh, I actually played center at the time, but he, he played both center and wing. He was the fourth overall pick in 95. So you're getting two top five picks, both extremely young, upside's huge. At the time... Inside this franchise, this is a win. This is a win. Didn't turn out that way. Oleg, he never really... I mean, he had some good years. He had some good years in Arizona. I think his height um, was a 10-goal, 55-point season, his first season um, yeah, first with the team in Arizona. 55 points in 82 games for a defenseman? Yeah, okay, he's still young, and he's going he's gonna to reach a ceiling. He's going he's gonna to get better and better and better. And he didn't. And where does he end up? <laughs> back in back Anaheim. Back to Anaheim. So they trade Oleg Tavardoski back to Anaheim, and that experiment lasted all of three seasons with Phoenix. I don't know if you looked at Timo Solani. He played more than three seasons for Anaheim. Yeah. Did you – by the way, do you remember the trade when he went back to Anaheim? Who? When T- Tavardoski went back? No. Do you have that trade listed for us? Do they They traded uh, – uh, Travis Green was in that trade. Oh, they yeah, that's right. Travis I did mark Green. that. There it is. Travis and Green. The, and oh, oh, the other name. No. The 15th overall pick in the 1999 draft, which led to Scott. It, Scott Kelman, who was Kelman. where on our list of he worst drafts? He was number picks. one worst um, draft no! pick of all time. <laughs> so so that Solani makes this trade even more painful. Tevardoski goes back to Anaheim and they acquire the 15th pick and what we named the worst draft pick in the history of the franchise with Scott Kelman. <laughs> and future head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, Travis Green, came in that trade. I mean, Travis is a nice player. He's a gritty, hardworking guy. Great, great addition, but he's not. Check his numbers versus Timo Solani. Ah, uh, yeah. So, so let's talk about Timo, okay. and let's get into Craig. I I, I want to get into why the trade. Yeah. I've talked to him a couple times about this, and and Leah can interrupt me whenever she needs to do the DraftKings ad read. So I imagine you'll have a, a beautiful uh, segue into whatever I'm from whatever I'm saying. But <laughs> so I, I've written about this a couple times. I've talked to Timo about it while he was still playing. I talked to him. And so in a story I wrote about two months before the Jets played their final game in Winnipeg, then coach Terry Simpson pulled Solani off the, off the ice to take a phone call in the coach's office. The Ducks had made the trade that we just talked about. Well, prior to this trade, Richard Burke had told Tamu he wasn't getting traded. So Tamu was, to put it mildly, pissed because <laughs> He had basically been lied to. He said, uh, you know, he said when when Richard Burke called him, this was his quote. He didn't have to call me. So I thought it was nice that he called and I was happy because I didn't want to get traded. 
So then when it happened, I was just confused. I didn't know what was going on. It was a very sad for me, day for me because I love playing for them. I was very angry. When somebody tells you you're not going to be traded and then you get traded, you're like, what's going on? Why tell me I'm not going to be traded? I was very disappointed without it, with, with how it happened. Yeah, and I think this, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So when I looked into this this particular trade, I wanted to see why. Like anybody that's that knows the roots of the Winnipeg Jets, and you can go back and you know Tamo Solani, his rookie year was record-setting electric. I mean, he played eighty four games. He got seventy six goals as a rookie. Wow. Like that's that is absolutely insane. Like we're you know, yeah, if you get a twenty goal season as a rookie, that's great. And and we, Matthews got gets to the sixty mark this year, and you're like, man, that's fantastic. Wow, gets to sixty. Tamu Solani is a rookie that got seventy six goals, and 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 I think that that's the part for me that you go, okay, well, how how do you have a guy that's a rookie for your team getting six seventy six goals? And then two years later, he's gone. Like, whoa, whoa, what happened? Well, what happened? A couple things. First, there's two other players that become big pieces to this trade. Very big pieces. One of them, Coyotes fans will recognize, Keith Kachuk. Keith Kachuk becomes important in this trade because they wanted to keep Keith Kachuk. The other player is a Russian player, Alexei Zhamnov. Alexei Zhamnov is a center, and we talked about how important having center icemen is to a franchise and how important you need to have that middle of the ice. Well, you look at that same year, Phil Housley was second in the team in scoring, by the way, on that season, assistant, former assistant coach of the Coyotes. Zhamnov was third in scoring. Again, another rookie. He gets 72 points, 25 goals, and we've already talked about how many goals that is. Kachuk that year gets 28 goals. So you've got three guys lighting it up offensively in 92-93 for the Winnipeg Jets that are all er young, early 20s, and one of them's a centerman. One's a huge, strong, offensive, physical force in front of the net. Tamu's not that. Tamu's offensive, but he's not that physical power forward that he needed to play back in those days, right? We'll go to the next year. Tamu starts having knee problems. And now he is not first in scoring anymore. Who led the team in scoring the following year? Keith Kachuk gets 41 goals at 81 points. Zhamnov, 26 goals. Timo Solani played 50 games that year, the second year, and got 25 goals. So now you're going, okay, he had a great year, but now he's 25 goals. He's hurt. He, he had two arthroscopic knee surgeries in his fourth first four seasons. He ends up ends up having to reconstruct his whole left knee by 2004. His knee's an issue. His knee is a problem. You have three guys of the same age that all are going to need to get paid. They need to pay three players. We can only pick two. We only get to keep two of the three. That's where this boils down to. It is who do we keep of the three? We can keep two. Yeah. And yet in that season in which they traded him, he had already shown that he was, he was coming back as a player because in 51 games for the Jets, he had 72 points. So he was an elite player again. But yeah, you're right. Part of this was a money issue. They didn't want to spend on that many players. And, and of course, later you mentioned Alexei Zhamnov. He's a key piece in another trade and a good trade for the Coyotes when they acquire Jeremy Roenick. They wanted, there are a lot of pieces to this. They wanted an American face for the franchise down here to help sell the game in a brand new market. 
And listen, no matter what you think of J what JR has done in, in ensuing years, the controversies that he's got himself into, nobody sold the game better in Arizona than Jeremy Roenick. He was the perfect pitch man for that, for that time. He did everything they asked him. He did it well. He engaged with fans. He was genuine. So all of that made sense. And yet, Tamu Solani bounces back. Like I said, he had 72 points in... 51 games with the Jets. And then the rest of that season, he puts up 36 more points. So he's at 108 points. He has a 109-point season next year. He has another 100-point season with Anaheim. He tops 50 goals twice, 40 goals three times, or actually five times, I'm sorry, over 40 goals. So, wow, he just blew up again. He became an elite player. And look, nobody's going to score 76 goals in an NHL season. That was an anomaly. But when you have a guy who's consistently putting up 40 plus goals, that's a guy that you probably wanted to hang on to. Well, he's one of the key pieces that helps Anaheim win the Stanley Cup. Like he he's one of the guys that helps him get him over the hump in 2007. They raised their the 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 banner to the rafters and and hoist the cup. Without Timo Solani, they do not do that. But again, this is this is like in in those you know CSI shows where they got the balls of yarn spread all over the bulletin board on who leads to who leads to who. Mm -hmm. You can talk about Solani and go, oh shit, they should have had Solani. But without moving Solani, you're right. The basis of this franchise in the desert, Kachuk and Roanick, those two pieces don't join forces on this team, if not for the trade of Tamu Solani. Because you can't keep all three. And who knows? Maybe Solani does turn into another player. But but again, you, we've talked about over and over and over how important center ice is. Alexei Jamnov's, Jamnov's upside at that time was tremendous. Like this was the guy in the future that's going to be a number one center. He's going to drive things. He's going to be a 40-goal scorer. Just didn't happen. And, and after his trade to Chicago... I mean, he got over 20 goals two, three times, but his last few years, you know, all under 20, and it just it never became Teemu Solani-esque. And, and again, when you're looking at, okay, I, you hold the cards in your hand, your hockey cards. I've got Teemu Solani, I've got Alexi Jamnov, and Keith Kachuk. I can only keep two guys. Yeah. One guy's a winger that has knee problems, not particularly rugged, not durable, can't get to the net. Well, that's the guy. It's the guy you can't see into the future and rub your crystal ball and go, okay, he's going to win a Stanley cup, win a Masterton trophy and be all, all of these great things that franchise records up and down in Anaheim. You, you don't know that. So you go with the centerman that can put the puck in the net. And I, and I think that that's where this, when you talk about trade talks and you talk about, is this the worst trade of all time for what they got back? Yeah. I mean, Chad Kilger never became the power forward. They had hoped him to be at his size. Oleg Tevardoski might not be the smartest defenseman they ever had at, at reading situations and being able to defend. And we already talked that turned into Scott Kelman so that we know what that went like. <laughs> but at the time, you can see what they were trying to accomplish. And that's why it's so fun and so easy to go back and look at this because the trade of Tamu Solani leads to Kachuk and Roanek, two names that are both in the ring of honor at Gila now and soon to be, I don't know, ASU's parking lot? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Craig and I will carry the banners every game done. I don't know. But, yeah, but I think that's how they're doing the uh, the parking sections. This is the Teppo Newman in sections. So yeah, remember. like when you're remembering your row, like A2, except it's just the banners. <laughs> oh, the that's, a, that's absolutely dynamic. So that that's why <laughs> these trades are so important, because they do lead to different things.
It's very true. Um, I wonder if the DraftKings Sportsbook app existed in 1996, what Team Solani's anytime goal scoring odds would have been <laughs> probably pretty good. Um, but alas, it did not. But it does exist now. Um, and if you want to get in on betting action for the NHL playoffs or the NBA playoffs, you can do so with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And this week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets. If they do, you can also do same-game parlays to turn a smaller bet into a bigger payday. And right now, all customers, not just new customers, can place a same-game parlay with legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PHNX, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's 21 and over. Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. I've already said that I was not alive for this trade. So I'm you curious. Just, time just to, uh, you know, um, so I'm, yes, yes. So I'm curious, what was the reaction like among the fan bases and the NHL community at the time? You know, I'm, I'm happy to report that. That predates both of us as well, Petey, because you came on with the Coyotes in the second season. And, you know, I, w- I wasn't covering the team full time at that point. So. But, so I called and, and I checked and I asked around. And, and first of all, you're talking about a guy who had just been removed from the 76 goals. I think there was shock and surprise, especially for an Anaheim franchise, that when you go back to see what the Anaheim Ducks were at this time, they're not what they are now. I mean, they're an established franchise. They won the cup. That's not who the Anaheim Ducks were then. I mean, this this franchise was just getting going. And this is, you know, you, you're talking about like starting off in the, in in California going, gosh, is this going to work? And now we, they needed a big-name player there. I mean, you know, Paul Correa was there, um, and now you got Tamu Solani, and I, it's funny how they ended up beating the Coyotes out of the playoffs because of that move. Um, I think there was an understanding, and I think one of the things coming from a small market team in Winnipeg, they were upset. This was their star. He was great in the community. He was really well-liked. I think it, it took the wind out of the sails of a lot of fans in Winnipeg, but the team was leaving by then. Yeah. They were gone. So they were like, oh, good. Like, they were almost like, F them. Like, great. You're going to take our team? We'll get rid of our – good. I, I think if the team would have stayed, this would have ripped the heart out of them. Like, he was really that big of a player in the community. So I think it was a big, big, big deal um, at that time for the city of Winnipeg. And on that note, you know, I spoke to both Richard and Taylor Burke about this. Richard, of course, on the team, as we mentioned, uh, and Taylor was an executive with the Coyotes. Uh, one thing that Taylor said to me, you know, talking about how big Tamu was in the community there. The one thing I learned over the years is it's hard to overestimate the importance of character. And Tamu was one of the highest quality human beings to walk this earth that I have met. He did amazing things for the Ducks subsequently. And in hindsight, seeing the person he was and the talent he was, we shouldn't be surprised. And, and, and again, so Leah, the timing of this trade is so unique because he was leaving Winnipeg. So the Winnipeg fans are, well, what the hell do we care? We need our team. We're not just one player. We need the whole goddamn team and people in Arizona. Yeah. Huh? No. yeah. yeah. 
But they would thing, huh? thing about, you know, saying you needed an American name. And, and listen, Richard has also said that he was trying to improve the defense. They, they, they were told they needed to improve, improve the blue line. You know, I'm Oleg Tevardoski, I guess, could have done that from an offensive standpoint, but certainly not defensively. And if you look at the, the Coyotes team stats, it's they, they didn't really improve defensively. Um, but the idea of needing an American face to sell it in a brand new market, I think, was a little short sighted especially if you know who Tamu Solani is. I mean, the Anaheim market fell in love with that guy. And it he had personality. It wasn't like, you know, some Europeans are a little reticent to, to uh, you know, dive into their personality in English. It's a, it's a language barrier. Or they can just be more reserved players. But Tamu Solani had an unbelievable personality that came out in Anaheim. I don't know if you guys remember that video he recorded when he decided to come back for another season. The golf one? Yeah, the golf yeah. one. It's spectacular. And, and that was Tamu. He's a funny guy. He was an engaging guy. So I think they sold him a little short in in his ability to maybe help sell the game here, not only with his play on the ice, but in who he was. The, the last quote I was going to read is from Richard himself. When we were talking about this, I had both Taylor and Richard on the phone. And, and he basically interrupted Taylor after Taylor was talking about it and said, that one's on me. My contribution to that was I said yes to a deal that was intended to get the team more defense, which was somewhat lacking. So I said yes to that deal, which in hindsight and in every respect was a really dumb move. I'll leave it at that. But he didn't leave it at that. He goes on to say, basically, that if he could do one, in hindsight, if I could do one thing over again, I would trade for JR and keep Tamu. I'd have them both. Trading him is probably my greatest regret. Wow. Yeah. And I guess that sums it up, Craig. And if you, and if you, if you put Tamu Solani, you talk about his personality, what kind of person he is. He wins the Masterton Trophy um, for his character in the, in the National Hockey League. And if you, you add... The piece that I always thought in, in that late '90s version of the Coyotes, there was always just one piece, like yeah. one piece missing. Is Tamo the piece? I mean, maybe. Do they maybe get that's out the piece early on in their tenure? Does it change the entire trajectory of this team because yeah. they're successful? Does it help get Scottsdale approved? We want to play this butterfly effect game. Exactly. Like, and that's why these trades are so important. And that's why we're spending time to talk about these trades because they do have such a long lasting impact into the years and years into the future for these franchises. So looking back, how would I grade this one? This is a miss. They blew it. This is a bad trade. The Coyotes lost that trade. I know it turns into Roanoke down the road, but, but to Craig's point, it could have turned into Roanoke anyway. Coyotes blew it. This is a bad trade. You know, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but you know lately we've been talking about a lot of misses that that the Coyotes organization has had over its twenty six years, and it's just unbelievable. Like so many things, so it's like a comedy of errors for this team. Just the things that have gone wrong, or when the team's gone left when they should have gone right, and it's just now it is where we are now, where we're just over a week away from a city council meeting that could dictate the future of this franchise in Arizona. It's just unbelievable to think about and comprehend. Maybe it could change the direction though. If, if things go right with the, the city council, if things go right at the NHL draft, maybe they can finally kill the narrative that just overwhelms this franchise. You see it. We see it on social media all the time. We just, we just talked about it on mock Monday, all the, all the narratives that exist about this franchise. 
they have a chance this offseason. Once again, they have a chance, and they have a real chance with given the, the, the huge things that could happen this summer to finally turn this thing around or get it headed in a different direction. Yep, absolutely. So we'll hope that that's what happens. And by the way, episode three of the story drops tomorrow. If you haven't listened to episodes one and two of the story, I was thinking about that a lot while we were in this conversation because it's the whole story of how the team ended up in Arizona, the whole story of how they ended up in Glendale and just things you've never heard before. Um, So, and Richard Burke is speaking on that podcast. So if you haven't listened to the story, subscribe to the story wherever you get your podcast. Episode three drops tomorrow. And Cheerston herself has told me that there's things in there that were so shocking, like she could not believe that people were saying things on the record. So I can't wait for episode three. um, And that'll be dropping tomorrow. So I really can't wait for that. Craig, you've heard it. I I believe. That's terrific. I I have heard. Yeah, I've heard the final version of it or the final episodes episode three got to listen to it yesterday actually and talk to Cheerston who did a terrific job on it so definitely give that a listen um it's it's a good one you know I don't I don't know I, I think it's digestible too that's what I like about the different parts of it none of none of them are long and you can listen to them maybe over consecutive days you could really if you if you have a long commute for instance if you have to drive to Glendale <laughs> for your daily commute you can probably knock out the entire the story <laughs> Yeah, very true. Um, Well, and while you're at subscribing to the story, be sure to become a member at gophnx.com as well. Get access to all the written content. We'll also have a lot of video content starting this summer that will be behind the paywall as well. Um, Some exclusive interviews that Craig and Petey have been doing so you're not going to want to miss those there's a really great lineup of interviews coming so that'll be on gophnx.com for members only you'll get access to our members only discord you'll get a shirt from the phnx locker if you sign up for an annual membership so it's a great time to become a member at gophnx.com let us know what you thought of the first trade talk tuesday and who you want what other trades you want us to talk about there's so many we can get into um taylor hall Danny Briere, Connor Garland, and Oliver Ekman Larson. And that one was more recent. So maybe we don't know the impact yet, but there's so many we can talk about. So let us know in the members only Discord or on Twitter at phnx underscore coyotes what other trades you would like us to talk about on Trade Talk Tuesday. This was fun for me too, especially since I wasn't around. I just, I. <laughs> can, can you say that more often during an episode, Leo? Three strikes. Yeah, you guys are really it's... fucking old. Oh, and, and, and we should also tell people that Sean DePaz will be filling in for a while as the third member of this podcast uh, while we work out some personal issues with Liam Merrill. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, I did not work. When was he born? Of us. When was he born? He was even later. He was born in 18 right now. I feel like Sean has rubbed it in our face quite as much. At least not yet. Maybe he will now that he gets the opportunity. So. <laughs> oh my god we gotta start old we gotta start this old versus young segment too so i was actually i was actually thinking about this last night when i was in canada last month my cousins and i were playing this game with my mom and my uncle um and it was called millennials versus boomers and it was like a trivia game and i was I'm thinking boomer okay <laughs> <laughs> but i was thinking maybe i'll order it and we can play it on like a friday show i'm in 
I got a question, Leah, and, and this kind of leads into young or old, and we can leave it at that. Have you ever used a fax machine? Like, have you physically operated a fax machine? Yes. Okay. I have. have. Okay. Because at my summer camp, I used faxes because my summer camp was in Canada, and if you had fam, if your family lived not in Ontario, you were allowed to send faxes. Wow. Because letters would take too long to get to your family. Oh, that's impressive. I did so not know that you'd actually I use a fax machine. would send fax. My mom and I would fax each other when I was hmm. at camp. Did you, have, you did you have a beeper? A what? A beeper? No. You didn't have a beeper? No. Okay. I did not. Well, we can save well, some of these, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> save some of them. Don't, What's don't our generation that. called, by the way? What are, what are we? What am I? Yeah, I mean, Gen X. Um, we have post boomers. We're too young for boomers. I think it's Gen X. Yeah, I think we're Gen X. I think. Really? Yeah. That sounds way too cool and hip wow. for what we really are. Harrison here right? says Petey's a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts. This thing's seems oh, attitude maybe. We need to get out of here before. Yes, okay. we do. Well, tomorrow live at 11 a.m. on the PHNX Sports YouTube oh, channel, shit. we will be talking to Craig Button. More um, draft. We'll more draft stuff. More prospect stuff. Super excited to have him back on. He is a wealth of knowledge. Um, if you want to listen to our interview with him from earlier, you can go back wherever you get your podcast and listen to that in preparation for tomorrow. I'll retweet that on the PHNX underscore Coyotes account. Super excited for that one. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes. We're very close to me having to eat fake maple syrup. Um, let me pull it up right now. We are 30 followers away. Woo. And while we're on this audio episode only, here's here's a little snippet, sneak preview of my dance. Run, two, three. But everybody oh enjoy that. That was God. just a quick little a quick little <laughs> sneak peek on this audio only episode of my upcoming. I promise everyone that we don't all these things are happening. The dance, <laughs> the maple syrup, and for Frank in the Discord, the maple syrup taste test will happen once we get probably past the draft, and maybe even Craig and I will buy pure maple syrup from Quebec, where oh maple syrup God, is renowned. Home. And maybe Coach Turney will hit us up with his family's maple syrup because his family. Yeah, that's that's a thought there. We, we should probably delay that show until we can get yes. some Canadian maple syrup. Some new. I'll be in. You'll be in where? Maine. Yeah. I'll get some New England maple syrup. And Perfect. We'll taste test. So I just want to assure the discord that I have not forgotten and the and there will be money going to charity for that one as well. So. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Craig Button on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Have a great rest of your day, everyone, and we will see you tomorrow.